This podcast you're about to listen to is a controlled experiment using trained intellectual monkeys. The following episode is one of the infinite debates these monkeys have had. Remember that these are the opinions of real monkeys and may not reflect the opinions of the highly trained human scientists in charge. And most importantly, no monkeys were harmed in the making of this podcast. <laughs> I was worried for your life. I almost died. Man, okay, so I have the same thing, but it's a little bit, like, not as bad this time. Okay. Um, yeah, but yeah, save totally. this shit. <laughs> you don't want to die from a beard infection right on my face. But this like, time is so 30, mild. Like that's just, that's just it's part brutal. of my aesthetic tale. <laughs> it's your aesthetic. Die get thirty with a beard infection. It's yeah, Jim Morrison rules. episode uh 024 as you can see i am back from uh london portugal and with me are two infinite monkeys uh teo and gunner uh leitner um i will start off with a very very minor minor story um mainly because uh what i found very interesting in my in my excursions across the planet was did you guys know that legitimately um there is a place called, there's a city called London in basically every country you go to. Teo, I'm sure you know about this fact. I can, okay, <laughs> I can believe this fact because they literally used to own the planet, the, the, the Brits, right? And so like, oh, let's name everything after our London, dear old London, right? Are you, are you saying that there's one in Portugal? Yes. A London, there's Port- a London Portugal. There's a London Portugal. I'm pretty sure there's a London in the United States somewhere. There's London, California. Ontario. Yeah. There's there's London, Canada, and there's London, UK. There's probably I also- guarantee you there's a London in like Australia mm. and China and probably Japan. You know, definitely China. <laughs> London, London, <laughs> Kazakhstan. Yeah, London, mm. India. That's that's pretty. That's pretty cool. Is it, so so is that the story? That's that just there's the story. A London everywhere. <laughs> Very interesting. I love the, the arc of that story. I, I, it's just the, the it's so transformative. I I, I I could have went something where it was like you know the 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 arc of um co- uh, colonization, but um I decided against that. Mm-hmm. Cool. I kind of went into that. <laughs> I was like, yeah, colonies. <laughs> I don't really know how colonization works. I just, you know, I just kind of assume that um, uh, we've all kind of existed on this uh, country. I should not go there. Um, So, uh, (laughs) so, uh, Teo and Gunner. What's up? I could I could talk to you about the colonization of Portugal, but I feel like that is um, irrelevant to this podcast. What are we talking about today? Actually, first, how are you guys doing? How are you? Guys, I haven't seen you in like eons. Um, yep. It's almost felt like it's been like a month. Yep, it's been a while. Um, yeah, it's been good. 
just been writing a lot, working on stuff, creative things. I think, yeah, the last two podcasts have been Gunnar and I talking about creative stuff. So I think that's pretty much what we've been doing. I believe there is they've one been really, uh They've been really inspiring for me. So, yeah, I've just been, like, making totally. music as much as I can and uh, all the stuff, so... It's it's great that it's been inspiring for both of you, considering you both in the podcast were just like saying how shit I am at music the entire time. I found it very demotivational. I do have to say, I do owe Tyler a, a bit of an apology because I I unintentionally slighted him in one of the podcasts when I I said that Teo and I are the de facto musicians of the group, um, because it turns out. Uh, like Pokemon, Tyler has special abilities. And one of these abilities that, well, special to me that I didn't know. Um, and one of these abilities is that he can fuck up a drum set. And I had no idea to the level at which he could. And now I'm bragging him up too much. And now he's really going to have to deliver on the drum set, right? Um, but he can play the drums quite, quite well. So, Tyler, yeah, he's awesome. you are... Holy you shit. are also a de facto musician of the monkey group. <laughs> so I guess we are all musicians. This is a this is a breaking story. <laughs> this is, uh, yeah, it's funny how that works, given the in- infinitiness of, uh, of of us. You know, okay, yes. I don't know where I'm going with that. But yeah, infinity music. There you go. Take it's it funny away, how that works. The um, I was just gonna say, like, is this something to do with like our creative people? more into like post-secondary stuff because like i don't know i just don't go around assuming everybody has like a hidden talent like that um but it's kind of bit me in the ass a few times now when i assume oh this person doesn't play an instrument or something like that when i meet them in fuck especially university everyone's like oh yeah like i play uh guitar and then they like show me and they're just like bach of the guitar you know hendrix of 2020 (laughs) (laughs) I'm always really impressed by the things that that people people have people bring to the table. I guess I'm just curious if that's at all correlative to education level, maybe, or a desire to get an education. Or I don't, I don't think know. I've ever met someone who plays an instrument besides you two at university. Really? Uh, besides huh. besides uh, that one professor, yes, I I've, I've never met another student mm. ever. Really? I always find that there's a lot of those types at least in my experience what about you too i guess now that i think about it i kind of struggling to to think of people like huh. i remember i ta'd a class <laughs> and and it was pharmacology so i assisted in teaching pharmacology um and for one of the end projects like one of the kids did like a rap song about um Ooh. oh fuck i can't remember what it was it's like, I don't know, rituximab, some <laughs> random fucking drug. And he made like a legit like rap beat and like some some bars. Like he laid shit down. And so I just, I I assumed initially that nobody in, in, in the university has those skills. And then I've just been consistently proven wrong. Maybe it's just me. I'm very anecdotal. To me, I just, to be honest, I probably haven't also talked to anyone in my entire undergraduate so <laughs> i don't know how large my sample size is <laughs> yeah same like I, i'm really only thinking of yeah 
I didn't really have like a large network of people that I hung out with in my undergrad. I can really only think of like eight people that I know whether or not that they play music. And also, but not even music. Like I I don't even want to just say music. Like some people are amazing writers or poets or like there's just like creative types in general. Well, I, I, sorry. I, I will say that like, if you just think of like our lab, we have over like the three years we've had probably something like 15, 16 members at some point. And I think the only people who's ever been creative is me, Gunner, and one other undergrad. But see, is that true? Have you ever asked people? Have you ever really delved deep into what these people's passions are? I, like, I, this is the, I that's actually, kind of the point that I'm trying to make. I actually believe I did at one point, and then um, I got so demoralized that everyone is just a um, rote memorization machine. And then I just kind of felt like I just want to stop being disappointed in humanity. So... <laughs> Fair so enough. how do you tell that someone is creative? Just, I, do you have like a little creator? I mean, creator. <laughs> I would like to say that I actually do have a creator, um, but um, <laughs> no. Like, like for me, it's just usually that's like my go-to topic of conversation is like, what do you like to do in your spare time? Um, do you have any right. hobbies and stuff like that? And it's and it's yeah, ve- that's true. And it's very rare that because I because I yeah, in, in those conversations, I very. I always try to stray away from work. I don't give a shit about talking about work outside work. Um, I actually hate uh, those questions. Uh, personally, I'm like, I want to do work at work. And so that's just kind of my go-to because it's like, tell me what you're interested in. And it's very rare or what you're skilled in or like whatever. And it's very rarely that people say, you know, something artistic. Right. So, 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 what do they do? What do they say? Like, I watch TV all the time, or I go travel, or like, I've, I've, like, I've, I've, I've heard, um, I've heard people kind of go into movies and TV shows. I've heard people go into working out. Working out's kind of like a very common one. Um, That's very common. In, yeah. Intramurals or sports type things are also pretty common. Um, okay. Here's something that I want to ask. Then wine drinking is I common. Find- yes that's very common um but what i want to ask is like sports is super creative isn't it like it's creativity with your body you know like your ability to create a play in like basketball or hockey your ability to outmaneuver and create like ideas to outmaneuver someone in like wrestling these are all things that like they require creativity so if if sports Playing sports is is a uh, thing. Then that's I think very creative in my opinion. I th- but working out isn't. That's not a creative enterprise. Fuck fuck that. I I, <laughs> I think I think sports really depends on like what your position is though. Like I think creativity requires you to based you know the root word of create. It requires you to make something that didn't exist prior. And mm-hmm. I find like you know let's let's just say football, which I know nothing about. Um, usually those plays are either your 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 quarterback or your coach has a book of plays and those plays have already been pre-made um for you it's not like created they're created for you so maybe the coach is creative yeah. but also sometimes maybe those plays are passed down um um and then a lot of other things are just like you know that that maneuver that technique a lot of the 
more often than not has already been created. You're just kind of learning to replicate that skill. Um, but you're you're replicating it in a certain context, like in this specific game at this specific time. Now, now we now we should put do this play. Or but is 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 move. is that a creation? Is is that a creation or just a decision based on the binary that preludes to completing the technique or the dichotomous key of completing said technique? It's like you have A or B. You have A or B. Then if you go B, you have A or B. If you go B again, if you have A or B, you go B again. And then if you have B, 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 do this technique. Well, there's, cer- there's certainly a logic to it. And like yeah, low, I, I, yeah, flow. I, I, I see what you're saying. But, um, okay. I, I, sorry. Uh, can I just interrupt, Tyler? Yeah, um, music is the exact same thing. You learn techniques that are passed down from Bach. Like This is all the very exact same stuff. A lot of what rhythms that we... Uh, enjoy today. Those were like made up years and True. years and years ago, right? These are patterns like the bossa nova. That's a, a pattern that's been around for I don't know 150 years, probably. But the uh, drum pattern. But I think like with a lot of music, it is it, there is a synthesis that happens in music that doesn't happen in other things. So if you, to me, like if you went into a guitar, a guitar class or a drum class or like piano class, and you were being told how to the technique to play said piece. And eventually you're like, I can play for at least like everyone else on the world. Um, then that isn't a creative endeavor. That is a technical skill endeavor. The I, I I kind of see creativity as you need some sort of synthesis or addition to a string of techniques, which you know, like music creation or like any derivative or derivation of a of of of, of a Bach theory or a Bach pattern is is an additiveness to whatever Bach created, or it's a synthesis of Bach and something else. Right, like if I just covered Bach and just played literally Symphony Number no. Five or whatever that Bach thing is um, verbatim, I'm not being creative. I'm, no, nope. I'm just no, yeah, flexing hard that I can play Bach. Yeah, but so in sports, in sports, everything is very spontaneous, right? You have to improvise, and so what I hear is you're saying like creation the act of creation is to synthesize things to suit the context at hand to uh overcome a problem to do whatever right and that's kind of creation i can't i can't honestly delineate a difference between how sports playing sports and reacting in the moment to how someone else is is playing against you how they're creating uh off of established plays and and things like that I think that's super fucking creative and it's almost like a dance. Like it's, it's, it's an improvisational dance um, where you do have like these, these set out steps and, and maybe moves and rhythms and stuff like that um, in this dance. And both of you are kind of playing the same dance and, and working off of each other in, in the context of sports. I don't know. It's, I, I, I can see I can see improv being a form of creativity because like you know if you again I know nothing about sports I think the only sport I know is baseball um, but it, it, in the context of ballroom dance I do know ballroom dance and yeah if, if, if you're if you're sure in a ballroom I have a set number of um, 
maneuvers based on whatever genre music's playing. Um, but yeah, I guess in in that dance, it's a, a, a react and it's very reactive or one move happens and you re react to that move and you can kind of choose the flow of instruments based on the context or flow of dance moves based on the context. That's an improvisation. Sure, improvisation's creative. I'd agree nice. with that. And uh, I mean, for me, with with, with creativity, it, what what identifies create creativity to me is uh, um, being being in a state of mind where you're just constantly making tiny decisions in each moment, and uh, you don't necessarily know why you're making those decisions. You, you just, it's, uh, I, like you can't map it directly to like a really robust theory necessarily, but it's just, um, it's just, it's, it's like really intuitive. Yeah, playing it by ear. Basically, yeah, yeah. You know it's that this good. next note is going to sound good because you've heard it over and over again and you've practiced that and kind of thing, right? Whatever, whatever the reason is. I mean, it, you, it, there's kind of a, a, a trust in, in yourself. It's like, yeah, this is right. Damn it! This is right. I'm gonna, this is I'm going the right direction. This is good, uh, and I I, th I think that you can be in that state um, whenever you're making music, writing, whatever. Um, and uh, I've definitely experienced it in sport, um, where like, you're just in the flow of things and you're making the decision. Like my my sport was tennis, so you, you know I, I I am picking up all these signals as I um, hit hit the ball to the other side, and I see what the other person's doing, where their feet are, how their body's aligned. Like I'm picking all this stuff up intuitively. I'm not thinking, oh, their body's doing this, the ball's got this kind of spin on it. Like it's just all intuitive and I'm making all these decisions in the, in, in the moment to respond to it. So I, that's the level that I think about creativity anyways. Yeah, that in the moment you're, yeah, in in the moment reacting to, to things that you're, um, things that you're experiencing yeah um and like oh so, no go ahead no you, you go ahead i was going to change the topic oh well um and, and like particularly like making those intuitive decisions and like uh uh like it's uh you're kind of pulling yourself up <laughs> uh by your bootstraps and every little <laughs> every, every instant i don't know if that makes any sense <laughs> No, it, it it definitely does because you're like you have to you have to learn and 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 kind of like um, what is the word preempt kind of like what's going on and yeah mm -hmm. I think that's kind of the point you're trying to make. Um, I didn't want this podcast to be another creative one though. <laughs> we can if you want, but oh, go for it. Take um, one thing that I'm really that I I wanted to ask you guys for a couple weeks now but I wanted to get us all together um, is so one thing that I've noticed a lot of is, and I don't know if you guys watch Netflix much or YouTube or, or crave or any of that stuff. Um, but what I've noticed a lot is there's a ton of content surrounding serial killers and murder and death and killing and, it seems to me like it's increasing. And, and so the reason why I bring this up is because 
I like to think of myself as kind of an empathetic person and I can kind of infer how people feel and and extrapolate based on the way that that I interpret things and the way that I feel things. Um, I think that's empathy. I don't know. Anyways, so when I watch these um, these murder mysteries, these these documentaries uh, describing awful like atrocities, like people getting raped and murdered and, and cut up, like the Black Dahlia murder, um, this guy like like I don't know if you guys are really into this stuff, but he like dismembers corpses and it's awful stuff. And it's like it's not even I don't enjoy discussing it. Like even with this um, on this forum, it's kind of like. Uh, it's too graphic to be like, oh yeah, dismembering bodies and stuff like that for me. And it, it makes me, it gives me like an actual emotional impact to hear these stories of awful people doing awful things to nice people. And so my question that I have to ask is because we're, or at least I'm perceiving that there's this huge increase in in just how popular, at the very least, these are. Uh, murder mysteries, murder documentaries, hearing about serial killers, all of this stuff. It's, it's getting more popularity. Do you think that this is going to add another layer of misery to people's lives? Because, like, you don't feel happy listening to this shit. And and right. they do draw you in because it's 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 interesting, but you leave that hour and a half feeling a bit agoraphobic. You don't want to leave the house. I uh, like my I I know that my my uh, faith in humanity gets eroded literally every single time I watch these things. Um, and so I have to uh, beg the question. Is our fascination with watching these serial killer documentaries going to lead to people just being more miserable and, and less trustworthy and erode the ideas of community and those values and trust in one another even more than like what social media and all this other shit has done? That's, a, that's an interesting question and an interesting perspective um, like uh, regarding the misery piece. Um, I think in in terms of in terms of ethics, actually, I'm actually uh, kind of glad that that these things are getting more popular. I, I I haven't really noticed that myself, but I'll I'll take your word for it that they're getting more popular. Um. Uh, be, because I think we don't become ethical through ignorance and just by le learning the set of good things to do and then doing those things that makes us good. We the it's, it's, it's better to know what the bad things are that you could have done and choose not to do them. I think that's a better, I think that's more ethical. Um, but in, in terms of the, in terms of the misery piece, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not so sure because I've, I've, I've also felt that, you know, when I dive into learning about the Holocaust or, you know, Nat King or, you know, I'll, there's a lot of gruesome history, um, and uh, and then of course uh, serial killers and all this. Um, <laughs> it doesn't leave you feeling 
optimistic and engaged and positive to take on the day and go <laughs> go and contribute you know. to the community yeah right it's like oh <laughs> like some guy could come up and just like kill me rape my dead body and then put me right. in acid like that's the type of shit that they're talking about yeah. on these for hours and hours at a time right but i i, I do think that um it it's I'm kind of avoiding the misery question, but I I do think it is it it, it is a good to um, uh, aside from the ethical point, but uh, also to um, force people to confront the 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 shittiness of of people and confront like this is in this is a this is a thing that people can do. That's brutal. Um, we need to negotiate that when we think about humanity and we when we think about ourselves and it's an important thing to confront but at the same time if you if you're only seeing the bad stuff then you just get really cynical and that's also artificial so i yeah because in reality i think (laughs) avoided your your question avoided the misery (laughs) aspect yeah like well let's get into the 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 goods like what is good about uh, watching these serial killer documentaries. And so I will agree that I think that it does remove the veil of kind of naivety that everyone is good, that everyone does have your best interests at heart, that everyone is in it to keep you safe and that we all are kind of good people. Um, That is a naive approach to life. So I guess it 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 definitely has the good aspect of, hey, don't just assume everyone's good. Don't be so naive to think that this stranger on the street is going to not kill you. But it veers, it veers quickly into cynicism. And, and like, I don't like that because it's a bit of a, a slippery slope approach to it. Like, oh, my God, if you don't trust anyone, then everyone's going to be cynical. Um, but it makes me less trusting of just strangers when before I would be like, you know, I just like say hi or something like that to a guy that looks like a creep. Cause I'm, you know, I don't really care about how people look now. I've found, I literally, if people look like serial killers, I'm like, no, fuck that shit. I'll judge you like a serial killer because I would rather just do that than die. And so it's, it, it kind of, it's good on one aspect because you can be more aware of the awful, but it's also really shitty because then you're least trusting. Um, yeah. What else is a good a good aspect of watching serial killer documentaries other than f- stopping yourself from being naive that people are good people? See, I don't... I don't know if I necessarily think that what... There's a couple. There's a couple things I want to dissect with Gunner's, Gunner's, um, uh, delving into the uh, untrusting of humanity, um, mainly because one, like one thing, just firstly, I, 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 I and these, and, and I don't have anything conclusive here, but I find it interesting to know whether or not that is based on your North American. Um, kind of upbringing 
um, whereby I find that North America, well, specifically United States and Canada, um, they have a tendency to be a lot more afraid or judgmental or um, skeptical of other people's intentions. Um, and the, and, and, and the, the, it, it, cause it's very interesting. Cause I, I know that as in, in a younger age, let's say I was walking down um, a random street in Canada or Seattle and I was on a sketchy alley and then there was someone who was looking pretty sketchy. You know, I would start feeling like, oh man, I guess, I guess this is where my life ends. Um, but coming, but the only reason I bring this up is because coming back from uh, London, Portugal, um, I didn't take a single bus anywhere. Um, I walked everywhere. I was walking 40 kilometers a day. I was walking in places that some people might, you know, if, if, if you put that area in a Canadian or United or American context, it probably would look pretty sketchy. Um, but I could just walk everywhere. I saw people who looked, I guess, sketchy per se. Um, I just want to say they were very um, emo, uh, uh, European style dress. Um, but uh, <coughs> at at no point in in Portugal would would I would I ever question something weird was going to happen. To the point where there were several times when it was like you would just see multiple females by themselves walking the streets. Um, they were not soliciting themselves. They were just going home and there was, and no one questioned it. Um, so I just, I just kind of wonder if, you know, if you, if you grew up in a different context, whether or not your opinion would change on serial killers. And at the same point, I, I wonder, I, I want to know what the demographics of like those Netflix serial killer shows are. Is it primarily just Canadians, in the United States? Because for some reason we're really into serial killers. Like, do you even get an audience if you're from Europe? So I think it'll be important just for the context of this to keep it in being North Americans, because I think this is an effect that we'll see in North America. It doesn't necessarily matter about Europe. Mm -hmm. Um, because Europeans if North Americans are the ones that love these serial killer documentaries and now all of a sudden there's a fucking million of them and they're super accessible, that's just like opening up the heroin dosage for a bunch of fucking crack fiends or something, right? I know those are two different drugs. People don't jump down my throat. Um, so the, 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 the fascination m might be because of our North American coddling or, or I don't know why, why we have like a fascination with serial killers in the first place, but I mean, we're, we're more isolated. Like, like we're, we're very much a car culture and like we don't walk places where. Well, yeah, like we already have shitty society as is like our community structures already fucking suck. People don't, already don't talk. People are already super lonely. And that's something that only really, really happens in North America. So I think it is important to, to stress that, yeah, these effects are probably because I'm North American. And probably if you were to release a million Netflix documentaries on serial killers in Europe, it wouldn't go over that well because they don't fucking care. But the thing that I'm really interested in is, is that watching that for 
eight hours a day binge watching that because I know there there is there is research on I think it's Game of Thrones uh, huh. pr- prompted this research to happen because people were binge watching Game of Thrones and if you've ever watched Game of Thrones it's pretty brutal. Um, everyone hails it as being a really good representation of like what real life is. You know, you you do get to watch a guy get his head uh, squeezed until it pops out the top. And it's very graphic. Um, so they, they did this study and they found that people who binge watched shows like Game of Thrones, where there's a heavy aspect of mortality, morbidity, death, these themes, those people after like a week of binge watching Game of Thrones have PTSD syndromes. Um, So how is that going to be any different when now instead of fantasy land and Game of Thrones, you're binge watching for an hour at a time, real people killing real people, right? Like you can go to these people's graves. You can visit Charles Manson where the fuck he hung out. I think that guy's probably still alive. Or maybe he died recently. I don't know. I don't care about serial killers that much, so I don't know if they're living or dying. My point being is that if if entertainment, if Game of Thrones can cause PTSD, that's fantasy. How the fuck can we say that watching the Black Dahlia, you know, dismember a corpse, yeah, how that's not going to give you PTSD when they fixate on the details for a fucking hour and a half? I I will say I'm kind of skeptical about the Game of Thrones research only because sure you have someone who just put out Game of Thrones research um but at the same time there's been 30 decades of people doing like violent video game studies and that doesn't affect people um and you can do kind of some pretty messed up shit and you might you could possibly argue well one is um photorealistic while the other one is actually realistic. Um, but I, I, I'm very skeptical because I know that a lot of like violence video games equals violent or whatever people or people with some sort or, or how does it affect people? Um, the ones that say there is an effect have been well documented to have, have really shitty research ethics. Well, the ones that are, you know, have pretty don't have very fundamental, large fundamental flaws um, show that there's really no effect and that people are able to uh, handle the those differences um, from a from a society at larger standpoint I'm I'm kind of more concerned that we even have these shows in the first place to be completely blunt um at some we could get into too yeah because at some point what are the what is the reason why we have those shows well it's because it you're 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 it generates money it's a it's a capitalistic thing because people want to see it so people make it and then they profit off hugely off that context um very similar and in, 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 in a very very similar vein the reason why i have so much issue with is it's the same thing when you have like a mass shooting or whatever and you have people and you have news outlets who 
their entire purpose in life is to generate money. So they're like, here's the face of the serial killer. And um, this is his name. This is his home address. This is his social insurance number. Um, go destroy his family and everything. And uh, thanks for all the clicks. It's but a very good cases, point. In both cases, we want to we want to see it. Like there's a part of us that wants to see the 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 violence that wants to see the craziness. It's like that New Zealand. If it, it's like that New Zealand shooting, it, right? Yeah, um, but if it's not, um, what happens if it, if it's not available in media? You know, with like actors, you know, act acting. <laughs> Game of Thrones and stuff. Um, do we just uh, push it down in us and like pretend it doesn't exist and try to ignore it? Or I, but uh, my see, my I thing guess, is like, like oh, they 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 push it, and so is it something that people are interested in, or is it just because they push it out there so hard? like making a murderer, you know, that was one of the biggest Netflix things ever. And they've just kind of like, oh, people are interested in murder, anything to do with murder. Now they just like, that's all that I ever see now on Netflix. It's just Netflix original, Netflix documentary on this killer, this killer, who wants to kill this guy? I think, I think they are, I think they are to an extent, like it's not just them pushing down their throats as people are interested because I, you know, as as a younger human being, I know a lot of people to this day um, do this, where it's like, oh, you you there th- you you read a news article, and for whatever reason, they 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 don't say the face, the name, or or and and, and 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 the face of the person or the name, but you hear somewhere on Twitter or whatever that you know someone Snapchatted the video or someone posted the video online or live streamed the video. Um, uh, I, I I remember. It was probably like 10 years ago when it, when something like that was posted on YouTube. And I do remember 10 years ago, I was like, I'm, I, I remember attempting to find said video that was being attempted to be banned by YouTube and Facebook a lot. And I think at some point I found it and then I realized why the hell did I even attempt to look at this? And I didn't play the video, but, <laughs> um, there, there, there was an intrinsic nature for me to want to do. And I think for a lot of people there is, um, yeah, but at the same at the same time i like the way at least for this the way i kind of wish society did it is i'm fine with game of thrones that's a, that's a fictional scenario you can you can get you can have a gore fest in a movie you can have a gore fest in a in a, in a fiction movie in, in, in a fictional story of game <laughs> of thrones that's fine what i what what where i think i have issue with it is you are essentially taking real life examples of terrible human beings, not changing their name, potentially sometimes even using live footage um, or courtroom footage. And, you know, you might, you might say, well, we're looking at it in a very sensitive light. I'm like, you're in a way you're still putting that person's name out there. And so you have people like, and, 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 and I think part of it is because you're put, and I'm very curious if there's any research on this, but you, 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 Gunner, you're right. There is this media push to, 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 to start getting more um, real life kind of messed up scenarios. And what has happened over the last two or three years, I think there's just been magnitudes more mass shootings than there's ever been or mass killings than there's ever been ever. Possibly. I could be wrong with that stat. It could just be more publicized, but I want to, I want a knee jerk reaction and say, 
um, there, there's more serial killer footage that glorifies people. So then these people who now go commit these atrocities know that if they do it, they might be immortalized or glorified at some point down the road, or they might be glorified or immortalized immediately by news outlets. Um, it's essentially at this point, a foregone conclusion. The way that we are setting up and and trafficking these serial killer documentaries is that so long as you're gruesome enough, you will eventually be immortalized. And that is really a scary thought that they are, are pushing. Like, like uh, it used to I, only Eileen be Warren. Exactly. It used to be like <laughs> Stalin and Hitler and people who you had to kill like 55 million people. No one was willing to even fuck with those numbers. Well, hang on. I mean, we had Jack the Ripper and... well. There are other like this is where that this is where that kind of started, I guess. Though Jack the Ripper, um, and and Sherlock Holmes was Arthur Conan Doyle was probably the first one of the first people to, and that's sad because he's like my favorite author. Uh, he was one of the first people to really start glorifying serial killers and murderers, um, and and yeah, I like I was gonna bring up this Eileen uh, Warnos. Do you guys know about her? So she was nope. so she was like uh Eileen Warno. She was a, a prostitute in the States and she killed like seven guys. Um I was watching a documentary on her last night. She has a movie about her starring Charlize Theron. Um I would highly recommend it. It's an amazing movie. Um those are two things that that movie alone, like that glorifies this woman's atrocities killing other people to such a level that why if you're if that's all you're trying to get out of life is immortal immortality then netflix is making it is is making it so serial killing is looking like a nice way for people to get immortalized that's really scary um because they make these movies, they make these large productions, they do this stuff, and they glorify it. And it's really contradictory when, as you're alluding to, Tyler, we have these fucking, like, New Zealand shooters, these mass shooters, and they go and, and, and shoot up a mosque, they kill 20, 30, 50 people. Like, what was that one in Las Vegas? He killed, like, 100 people? 55 people? I don't know. It was, like, the fucking worst ever. I'm not sure on these statistics. But there's this really big superficial push in the media that oh we can't glorify these kinds because these are too active these are too visible you can see these guys and we can't profit off them enough because they make people afraid too afraid to go out and, and do things in in the world because no one wants to get shot up or something so they don't want to glorify that for whatever the reason i don't know i'm kind of ranting here but I, but they 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 totally contradict themselves in the same breath, because they'll say on on CBS, we won't we won't go into this New Zealand serial killer, and then in the next story they're talking about Charles Manson and how he has a cult following and shit like that on the on like the channel over. So it's such a contradiction, and it's so maddening that we're taking this approach to serial killers and glorifying them because I fucking hate those types of people. So, so uh, question: Can can we? Is it okay to lump uh, like news coverage of uh, mass shootings or murders um, with documentaries that happen decades later? Yes, it is. I B because it, 
I don't think that I, I, so, so here, here, here's where, here's where I, I think why my opinion stands there, or at least like why I stand with my opinion. Um, there, there, I, I talked about it once. Um, oh gosh, it's probably 20 episodes ago. Um, I talked once about a show that I, I really enjoyed watching. Um, um, and it was, oh gosh, I'm going to get like yelled at because i don't remember his name anyway it's it's the guy who directed fight club um fincher um he made a i think i want to say it was a netflix mini series um and it was called i want to say it was criminal minds but i might be wrong on that because i know there was another one with something minds um but anyway it's a it's a david fincher short and it essentially looks at two it's a fiction and it looks at two um clinical psychologists who are working for the fbi who are creating a serial killer profiling um psychology so that they can in theory get into the minds of a serial killer to find out why they acted the way they did so they can hopefully stop it before it happens or so they can know where to find the body or what they did next. Um, and the really, the thing that I really like about this Netflix series is that it, is that it uses real examples of serial killers um, and, and their, and their methodologies and their, and their, and their, I guess, calling cards. Um, but what ends up happening is that they don't use their names and they, and, and it's so kind of organic that you almost have to go out of your way to figure out who that serial killer is. And I kind of like that way of doing it because it, it, it makes it such a, like a, it makes it three degrees for you to figure it out. And even that involves someone else doing the work probably to analyze who that serial killer is. And they might, you know, change some facts to fit with the story, but you get the general idea of that serial killer without glorifying anyone specifically. Um, so, so, so for me, it's when you, when, when you, when you take it to a fiction standpoint like that, but still can keep the facts, I'm okay with that. Um, but I don't think I, I don't see any reason um, for, like, say, a news outlet uh, to to use someone's name or face, because what's the what's the only reason that they're doing that is entirely because it generates more clicks the same way that, you know, Netflix makes these huge productions because they know they will get their money's worth out of it. Yeah, I, I... I I agree, and and I think the, the the part of us that is fascinated by serial killers and murder and all this, um, I think I think it's reasonable to think that that part could be satiated by those sorts of fictionized uh, shows that you're the, that you're mentioning. Um, so like yeah, we, I, we I really think there's even, better ways yeah. to go about that. Yeah, like than the current way. Like, like, um, yeah, for example, like we, we really need to, like, that's a good one. Like obfuscate their names. Don't glorify it. Like, like, uh, I don't know. I think those are, are definitely ways that you can, you can, um, kind of avoid that, that aspect of 
yeah, glorifying their their atrocities, but but to to maintain the like because there is very interesting stuff in there. Like some of the things in forensic files, I learn cool stuff about forensic science all the time. Like how they used NMR to solve this one really cool thing. So there is there are really good narratives to be had in that. But I I agree. I think they should remove it from the world of reality because like there's there's people who still have children alive who were like the victims of these people or something like that. Like this is the real world. Like these people are actually out there. Like there's they live in penitentiaries and stuff like that. These serial killers. Um and and by pushing these narratives, we almost contribute to mythologizing them. And in general, I think mythologizing people, especially terrible people, is such a, a, a poor approach to just spreading those narratives, right? Like Sends just, the, wrong sig- the wrong signals. Yeah. Like, yeah. like I, can, who, yeah. I can become a Jack the Ripper immortalized you know i can have a movie with charlize theron starring charlize theron in it you know i can be immortal and and so it's the the mythologizing is something i think we really need to address as a society better and i think and i personally i like i don't know how how effective this would be just because i you know you can't really and i like i don't even think you can really do it at this point but like in an ideal world for me anyway or, or if I, you know, was living in 1984 or whatever, and I could just censor things exactly how I want. Um, if it, I would be okay with having scenarios whereby you could study this history in that way. Like, you know, does that mean I should take, we should take World War II out of history books? No, that's already, yeah. <laughs> we don't need more people saying that World War II didn't happen. Um <laughs> But, you know... In, Sorry, I was saying, yeah, like, agreeing with the point you're making, yeah. not saying you, we should take it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but at the same time, you know, going forward, if we don't put these people's names in, 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 in news articles, you start kind of obscuring exactly who they are. And at that point, if you wanted to, you know, make a history book, you could kind of do it the way that Criminal Minds does it or whatever, where it's, you can just kind of make up whatever name you want just for the sake of telling your story or your history and their and their name doesn't exactly matter yeah why don't we just make john why don't we just make john doe the most prolific serial killer ever (laughs) he's just like done everything and then because i think i think to an extent it's like it depend depending on the 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 atrocities you committed you could argue that it should be in some sort of class to study. And that's the only place that gets weird for me. Like what separates, you know, technically Adolf Hitler from some other, you know, American serial killer. I mean, scale. Yeah. Like 9 million people. So are you, so, so then are we then, cause you don't, cause you don't want to open this weird can of worms where you're then saying the only way to get immortalized in history is you have to beat a 1 million kill threshold because that is well, right. even worse. Well, right now, at least that's less attainable than five. Like, we make movies like Eileen uh, Warnos. She killed seven people. It's not a lot of people. 
she has a fucking movie and a documentary about her that has completely immortalized her. She died 17 years ago and we're still to this day talking about her. I don't think that all of the good people, I think that's a huge disservice to all of the good people that died. We should be talking about them rather oh, than these fucking scumbags that, that contributed nothing but tragedy and, and horror. But I do feel like there's I mean, one scenario where you have to, like, there, there's going to be some scenario. I, I, yeah, I can't exactly pin it down. Where it's like, yes, I would talk about the heroes, but at some point you might have to do it for like, say, some sort of like psychological profiling class, and you need some sort of class examples, and I, yeah, and you would have to pull information from maybe multiple sources and then not say the name like i'm just kind of saying there there might be a scenario where you need to kind of have the facts i just am not in that field to know yeah i i think that's where that's where i also get uneasy because i'm in favor of the idea of you know for, for popular um like media and news totally like change the name uh don't show the face and all this and hide the identity because that yeah it's not to be celebrated but uh we can't go changing history or like you know uh rubbing up facts and things <laughs> that's it's uh it's not a good idea <laughs> it, it, even though they're deplorable and, and and they don't serve you know like we don't want to celebrate horrible people <laughs> but uh that's still not a not a reason to pretend that something didn't happen pretend that so-and-so didn't do it I want to rewrite history and say that Infinite Monkeys podcast <laughs> was the first podcast to ever exist. <laughs> the very well, first. Well, that's fine. That, that's okay. The, the main crux of this whole argument is that I'm just concerned for people. If you, if you consume a lot of murder documentaries and out of nowhere you start finding that you have no trust in humanity anymore and you start hating your fellow man and looking at them slightly uneasily, not not intentionally go down the dark alley because, you know, you're concerned about a serial killer, which they literally aren't common whatsoever. They're like one in a million type of thing. Um, maybe. Um, so th that's kind of the main thing. If you're watching these and you're starting to feel like shit, maybe turn it off. Maybe go watch a comedy. Maybe, maybe ex exclude yourself from the macabre because I, I have a suspicion that... It is affecting you, and it's and it's fucking with your psych psychology. Um, so that's kind of what I'm saying. I don't want to re rewrite history, but I think there is a, a better, more ethical approach that mass media companies can take when uh, delivering these narratives. They can still make money off of it. They just, like we were kind of saying, should change some things or or not mention names or like really specific details, they can still maintain the narrative. Um, I think they need to take a more ethical approach in it. And, and I think people need to be really aware of the type of media that they are consuming, because I think it has a really underestimated psychological impact. Um, yeah, that's, that's the thesis of this podcast. <laughs> And and they should uh, consider taking up a musical instrument or writing or maybe photography or something. Creativity something is so good for the soul, you know. And <laughs> if you do find that you're watching eight hours of um, Game of Thrones or murder uh, fascination documentaries, 
write about it, you know, get it out, uh, you know, find some sort of creative outlet, give back to society. Do not creatively, do not creatively murder people. (laughs) I knew you were going to go there. Do not (laughs) think of creative ways to kill. Right. (laughs) Peaceful, creative methods. Uh, yeah, geez. Yep. People should be on this planet to try to make other people's lives better, not worse, and not more miserable. Just keep that in mind, everybody. Yeah, existence is good and um, and it's special, not just for yourself, but for others too. And same thing with uh, thriving. It's good that it's good for you know. Just have that straight. Have those two things straight, and then uh, then create. All right, and that's been episode 020, a podcast on... 2-4, bud. Zero two. <laughs> zero two four. I know you haven't been here a few weeks, but uh, I think we're on 24 now. Uh, I just love how slowly my lights are all dying in this room because it's getting really bright outside, so I just slowly am starting to get darker, just consumed. <laughs> yeah, I saw you with that light. <laughs> Face it. <laughs> the it's uh episode 024 or 020 remember this episode is not fact checked <laughs> at all it can be whatever i want it to be gunner reality um, uh remember you can follow us all on our various social media handles uh so you can find teo on twitter at teo gady you can find gunner on twitter at gunner reese you can find me at tyler j wenzel um Everyone but Gunner has the same Instagram, where I think Gunner's Instagram is Gunner Leitner because he likes making everything very, very confusing. And we are out. Bye, everybody. Potato chips. 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 Potato ch